A few weeks ago, back in March, March 26, I believe it was, we had a family meeting. And during that family meeting, uh, we did a survey. And that survey was to look at the values that we have uh, in our church. What do we value in our church? Well, the number one value in our church that came out of that 25 to 30 people who responded was prayer. Prayer was the number one value that the Stone Tower family believes in. And so, two weeks ago, we talked about prayer. Number two item that was on that list, number two that was on the list was the Word of God. And that is what inspired my message today is the fact that this church, the members who were there, said that they value the Word of God. And so I I, I want to um, share with you a few things that God has given me regarding the Word of God. And so I'm, I'm truly thankful today for uh, Sister, Sister Audrey from the Village Church who's here and Brother Tom from Bethel. I'm glad to see you. And there are some others, I think, who are visiting from other churches. We're glad to see you once again. And you've been away, brother, for a while, and we're glad to have you back. And hopefully you're here to stay. And uh, so we're just thrilled uh, to, to see those of you who have uh, been away for a while. And... Um, So this morning, I'd like for you to join me in prayer as we ask God's blessing on our time together. Father in heaven, I just want to thank you so much for all that you do for me, all that you do for your people here at Stone Tower, all that you do for your people throughout America and throughout the world. Lord God in heaven, be with us during this time that we might open our hearts, open our minds to be receptive to hearing your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text this morning is taken basically from Acts, the 17th chapter. So if you have a Bible, or an, I guess an app, Bible app, you might want to turn to Acts, the 17th chapter, and uh, we'll take a look at some of uh, what's going on there. Uh, Paul, uh, Silas, and Timothy have moved into Macedonia. Paul is now on his second missionary journey. Uh, The first time he is taking the gospel to Europe. And he's visiting some of the churches. He had visited some of the churches that he had established during his first journey. Now, in the first part of Acts, the 17th chapter, you will notice that uh, Paul and Timothy and Silas goes to a church in Thessalonica, one of the first European cities to hear the apostle talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was the capital of Macedonia, the largest and second most populous Greek region. Thessalonica was a metropolitan center, an estimated 200,000 residents. The first three verses 
in the 17th chapter tells us that there was a synagogue there. There was a synagogue there in the city. And here's what it says, reading from verses 2 and 3. And I am reading from the New King James Version. It says, When Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, saying, This Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. He is the anointed one. And as a result of Paul preaching and teaching, it says here that some of the Jews were persuaded. A great number of devout Greeks and leading women joined Paul and Silas. But not all the Jews believed what Paul was saying about this Jesus. Some did not believe Jesus was the Messiah and did not want anyone else to believe it either. They were envious that so many people were listening to Paul and Silas. They found some people down the street in the city and these people were bad people. They were instigators. And they got these people to come and create a mob and cause some trouble. They stirred it up there against Paul and Silas and Timothy. The people thought that uh, Paul was staying at the house of Jason. And so they went to Jason's home and they dragged Jason out of his house and took him to the court officials. This, the court officials listened back and forth to what was going on and they concluded, well, what we're going to do is fine you, Jason, but go your way and don't cause any more trouble. So, while they let him go, the Thessalonians, the people there in Thessalonica, they, it had become such a dangerous place for Paul and his companions that they had to leave the city. So that night, the Christians helped them leave the city and sent them to another city about 45 to 50 miles away. And that city was called Berea. It's like going from Portland to Salem. So what do you think, once Paul got to Berea, what do you think he did? He went into the synagogue. That's right. After the service there in the synagogue, it was a custom that they would ask a visitor if they had some words of wisdom to share or to impart to the people. Well, Paul, a well-spoken man and well-educated, eagerly accepted and began to speak with the passion about the gospel that he had come to know. Now, unlike the people in Thessalonica, these Bereans, they listened. They listened. But, but, but you know, going back here, this theme that Paul, and I want you to think about this, this theme of Jesus being the Messiah is a different kind of theme for the Jews because they were not thinking of Jesus as being the Messiah. Using the sacred scrolls as evidence 
supported an astonishing claim that Paul has here has made that this Jesus fulfilled all of the prophecies of their holy scriptures. Now, we know that the Jews were waiting for a Messiah. We know that they were looking forward to a Messiah. But some of the Bereans had heard of this Jesus, the carpenter, who had claimed, acclaimed as, was acclaimed as the Messiah, but who was then crucified like a common criminal. There had been many false messiahs. They had come and gone through the days and the years. And so the Bereans, after hearing about the death of Jesus, concluded that he was just another one of those false messiahs. Jesus, was he really the messiah? He went on to explain that three days later, he had resurrected from the dead this Jesus, he was alive, and he offered forgiveness of sin. This is a radical message, a radical message for the Jews. It almost, it's almost like heresy or blasphemy. But the Bereans recognized that Paul knew the scriptures thoroughly and was well acquainted with their traditions. It was a challenging idea for the Jews to consider themselves the chosen people of God that they had looked at this Messiah, they wanted a Messiah, and they looked for a Messiah who would lead them in a great victory over the Romans and restore them to their former glory. But Paul here is explaining, he's explaining that this Messiah is not that kind of Messiah. That the prophecies point to him as a Messiah who would come as a lowly servant to be despised and rejected even by his own people. And when Paul finished speaking, he braced himself. He braced himself because he knew that what he had said was controversial. Often his audiences, they reacted violently and Paul was used to being attacked. He was used to being beaten, stoned and thrown in jail. Because just a few days before, he had been threatened there in Thessalonica. But this audience was different. The audience we're talking about are the Bereans. This audience, they just swamped him with questions. And as they dispersed, they eagerly discussed his astonishing message. Paul had given them much to think about. Most of the people did not have copies of the scriptures they didn't have copies of the scriptures at home, so what they had to do was come to the synagogue during the week, and they would ask their rabbi to help them search the precious scrolls. They wanted to see if what Paul was saying was indeed speaking the truth. Scripture after scripture affirmed that Jesus did indeed fulfill the prophecies of the Messiah. When the Bereans saw with their own eyes the evidence that Paul was speaking the truth, it says many in the synagogue believed and decided to follow Jesus. There were other people. There were other people besides the Jews that followed him and became followers of Jesus. They were Greeks. It says even prominent women and men. You notice in Thessalonica, it said some believed. But in Berea, 
it said many believed. The Bereans were very different from the people in Thessalonica. Paul said that the Bereans were more noble. A noble person being of good personal qualities, of moral character. Fair-minded Bereans listened carefully to what Paul had to say. And then they studied, studied the scriptures daily. Not just occasionally, but daily to learn more. They were eager, enthusiastic about the studying of the word of God. To learn God's way and God's will. Now let me ask you a question. Are you eager to study the Word of God? If you are eager to study the Word of God, just say amen. amen. Okay. If you're not eager to study the Word of God, say amen. Because the reality is that Sabbath school, Sabbath school, what did I say? Let's say it together. Sabbath school is a time where we can come together and discuss what we have been studying during the week. It's a wonderful opportunity to come and interact and get an idea of what other people have gleaned from the studying of the Word of God. Do we study our Bibles every day? Are we eager and enthusiastic about the Word of God? Well, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they continued to study with the people about Jesus in Berea. But meanwhile, the news traveled back to where? Thessalonica. That's right. You see, what was going on in Salem, the people in Portland began to hear about it. And these bad people in Portland traveled all the way to Salem, 45 to 50 miles away, to cause trouble. In essence, that's what happened. The people in Thessalonica had the nerve to go down or go up to Berea and cause some trouble. Now that's really a dislike for the word of God. And this is why it is said, Luke is telling us this story here in Acts, how, why the Bereans are perceived as being different from those who lived in Thessalonica. The angry Jews traveled to Berea to cause trouble. They caused a stir in Berea and convinced some of the people to turn against Paul. And again, Paul's life was threatened. So once again, he had to leave the city. There were Christians in Berea who made sure he was safe. They took Paul to the coast and then he escorted him down to the city of Athens. Now in this story, there's some lessons that we can learn. Contemporary Christians need to look at Berea and Thessalonica and draw from that, what can I learn out of this experience? for myself today. There are some characteristics of the Bereans that made them different from the Thessalonians. Now we say that the study of God's word is very special to us. 
In fact, we say that it is a core value in our church. The studying of the Word of God and the understanding of the Word of God and discussing the Word of God. But it takes more than lip service. We have a Sabbath school guide that we use. We're now studying Christ's object lessons. And even if you can't come to prayer meeting, go with us through Christ's object lessons. And we try to put in the, the bulletin the next topic. The next topic is going to be on, does anyone know? Besides elderly? Because he's a facilitator. He should know. Does anyone know? Well, the bulletin says that he's going to be talking about the pearl. So, we would like for you to come to prayer meeting. We had 22 people at prayer meeting this past Wednesday. But I believe we can have 32 people this coming Wednesday. What do you say? Now, those of you who said amen, you need to make sure you're there. Oh, I tell you, it's, it's so good to be there and to interact with one another. And I want to say this to you. I realize, I realize that people cannot always come to prayer meetings. You're not going to make it every, every Wednesday. I, I understand that. But brothers and sisters, we need to come press together in these critical times on Wednesday night as often as we can. But take a look at some of the characteristics of these Bereans that made them different from the Thessalonians. Their attitude toward God's word was more open-minded. Their willingness to honestly listen to the teachings, a mind ready to understand the scriptures and what they meant. They had a zeal and an eagerness for the word of God, to hear it and to put it in practice. You know, James 1, 21, 22 says, be ye doers of the word and not just hearers only. So they were willing not just to hear the word, but they wanted to apply the word. Now, these Bereans also believe that things heard and taught should be examined. They should be examined by comparing them to philosophers of the day, to the theologians of the day, or to the scriptures of the day. You see, there are going to be a lot of things that are going to come at us if they haven't already. But we have to go and say, how does it compare to what the Bible says? They studied every day. They were willing to acknowledge the truth when shown the scriptures. You know, there are a lot of people, you can show them one thing in the scriptures and they're going to deny it and go over here to, to something else. The Bereans were willing to say that if you can show us from the word of God that what you are saying is so, I will believe it. And that is where we want to be. As we consider these Bereans and we consider their positive example of how a person should respond to biblical teachings, we need to be eagerly learning the Word of God. See, it doesn't matter who the teacher is, we still need to investigate the new teaching 
if it is new. And even if it's not new, we still need to go and study to see if the person was speaking the truth. We like to be spoon-fed spiritually. But don't spoon-feed me when it comes to physical food, but feed me spiritual food by the spoon. Because I don't want to do too much studying. I don't want to have to go through all this extra work. But the Bereans were different than the Thessalonians. Stone Tower. Are you a Berean? Or are you like the Thessalonians? In what ways then as we look at this model, this model that helps us look at how to grow spiritually, because we cannot grow spiritually without eating the food. But you know, we, 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 we are such proud people, and we think we know so much. We can't, we don't want to listen to certain people. We don't, we don't want to give our time for certain issues but brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. There's always something you can get out of anyone's message. It doesn't matter who the speaker is. And we must be diligent, earnest about studying the word of God. What does 2 Timothy 2.15 say? Let's take a look at it. 2 Timothy 2.15. It tells us in 2 Timothy 2.15. Does anyone know what it says? It says, study to do what? To show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly understanding the word of truth. Do you understand it? Are you studying it? The other thing that we have to be careful of, and this is why we need to study the Bible even more and more, is because the danger of deception is there. There are people in the church, generally speaking, who are ministers of Satan. Yes, there are some people who are in the church who do not preach the biblical message, they preach a different message. They're preaching about a different Christ. And they're preaching from a different spirit. But if you're not studying your word, how do you know? Deception is critical, brothers and sisters, especially as we get into these latter times. And we need to be able to discern because Jesus, in Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter 2. Let's just take a quick look at that. Revelation chapter 2. This is what Jesus says to the church of Ephesus. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are what? And are not. And have found them to be liars. We have to have that gift of discernment. 
to know truth from error. But how will we know truth from error if we're not studying truth? I want to encourage us today to become more faithful in our studying of the Word of God. I want us to be more diligent, not just in our prayer life, but in our study life. We need spiritual muscles. And if we're going to get those spiritual muscles, we're going to have to spend time doing spiritual things. And prayer and the study of God's word are two of those things. The discernment of a Berean Christian depends solely on it is written. It is written. It is written. It is not by signs, wonders, and miracles. It is written. It is written. When we look at 1 John 4, 1, it says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Beware of ministers who preach and teach another Jesus by the power of another spirit. 1 Peter 3, 15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man or woman that asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Can you, can I do that? Are you prepared to give a reason for the hope that is in you? How do you know what you know? Can you go to the Bible and prove what you believe? There's coming a time. There's coming a time when you and I will be confronted with proving what we believe. You say you believe thus and thus. Can you show me how you came to such a belief? How did you come to that? How did you come to believe in such a thing? Uh, Well, I, I think my pastor said, I, I think the deacon said, I, I, I think the elder, my Sabbath school teacher, no, 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 brothers and sisters. It's going to be you. You will have to give an account. You will have to defend yourself for your belief. We need to be in a position when someone comes to us and challenges what we believe, that we can go to the scripture and defend it. We need to be able to do that. We should always expect when we come to church, when we go to the Sabbath school meetings or prayer meetings, we should always expect to hear God's word spoken in truth as dedicated students of the scriptures. We must search the word to know whether the things preached or taught are true. Don't accept the word because the presenter is well known or you like his or her style maybe you like the person or you have a relationship with the person and so you're more inclined to want to cater to what they're thinking or teaching no 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 notice the Bereans did not accept Paul and Silas preaching and teaching because they were great preachers and well known you have to search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and these are they which testify of me it was not until they went to the word of God and were convinced 
themselves through the study, the daily study of the Word of God. Hmm. Yes, we have to put all that is taught or spoken to the authority of God's Word. And I'm kind of giving this message today because Stone Tower claims that the Word of God is a core value. Now, maybe not all of you were there at that meeting and maybe you didn't vote, but there were enough of you who were there and the Word of God should be high on the list anyhow. It says, you should be suspicious of any speaker that discourages questions and simply demands blind obedience. For in Isaiah 8.20 says, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to what? This word. It is because there is no light in them. You see, the faith in Christ is a faith that can stand the test of intellectual scrutiny. Truth is not afraid of being examined because truth will always prove to be true. Every time. The prophet Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 15, 16, he says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Maybe that's one of the reasons we don't have that joy. It's because we're not really getting the joy from the studying of God's word. Jeremiah simply says, I ate your word. I internalized your word. And as a result of internalizing your word, I had joy. It was the rejoicing of my heart in studying God's word. Internalizing God's word. And when we take the word of God to heart, we become obedient to his commands. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. When God's word is in us and when God's word is the controlling factor in our lives, we will live a different kind of life. Someone said the other night about having more love. But where are you going to get that love from? Where are we going to get the idea of having more love for fellow Christians, for lost souls? Where are we going to get that from? You're only going to get it from Jesus because he is love. And where, where can you get it? You can get it in the word of God because the word of God is so powerful. It will change us if we surrender to the power of the word of God. We need to make the Bible the ultimate gauge by which we test everything. And you notice the Bereans and I didn't mention this earlier, but the Bereans, they had a degree of humility to accept correction when presented with the truth. Because we don't know everything, do we? Do you? I don't know everything. But they had the humility realizing who they were called of God as God's people all these years believing as they believed and here comes a man to say oh wait a minute all those things that you believe we need to take it a step further for this man here that is prophesying that is prophesying about is the one 
was the one who came to us. That takes some humility. They didn't allow customs and traditions and biases and prejudices to interfere with their desire to know truth, to understand truth. They didn't do that. And we must not allow excuses to get in the way of spending time with Jesus in the word of God. You know that excuse that we like to make? I just don't have time. What do you mean you don't have time? No, no, no. You must make time. You must make time. Because we make time for things that are important to us. Do we not? If they're important to us, we make time for them. So we must make time for God. Because principle one is seek ye therefore. Seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what we need to seek. And we prove all things by the word of God. Now let me just say this in closing. I want to relate the idea of people who are eager to study the word of God, who are open to learning about the word of God with Jesus and his ministry. You know, we're studying, and as we study, we the first, well, the preface is talk, talking about parables and why Jesus spoke in parables. In the earlier part of his ministry, he didn't speak in parables. He, his words were plain, and his hearers could grasp the truth. These truths would make one wise unto salvation. But in many hearts, the truth had taken no root. And it had been quickly caught away. When he was alone, those who were around him alone with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them in Mark 14 to 12, he says, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything comes in parables in order that they may indeed look but not perceive and may indeed listen but not understand so that they may not turn again and be forgiven. Now, wait a minute. Jesus, you, you started off talking plainly, but why all of a sudden are you talking in parables? Jesus has this desire. He wants to awaken within us inquiry, an investigative spirit. He wants to arouse the careless and impress truth upon our hearts. So if his hearers had a desired, had desired a knowledge of divine things, they might have understood his words, for he was always willing to explain them to the honest inquirer. Now, are you an inquirer? Are you a scripture inquirer? A truth inquirer? When I look at the parables and the concept of the parables and the fact that Jesus says, okay, you all have decided that you don't want to hear the truth. 
Let me give you this text in Matthew 13, 14 and 16. Therefore I speak I to them in parables. He said, because they seeing, see not. And hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Brothers and sisters, do you have eyes that see? Do you have ears that hear? Because God is looking for people who have an interest in knowing the truth. God loves us all, but not all who profess his name are interested in understanding and knowing the truth. And this is why we don't get deep in our study of the word of God. God is saying to us, if the studying of his word is not a core value in your life, you need to make a change. We all need to make a change because life sometimes can be so busy. And I just want to encourage us all today to reconsider our lives in relationship to studying the word of God. I've told you this story before, but the word of God has some power. I was in college at the time. I was not doing my best work. But that, that summer I was down in Huntsville, Alabama, and I began to read the Bible. That next school year, I made the best grades I ever made. There was something about the word of God that just caused my mind just to, to be at another level. And I'm saying, brothers and sisters, the Bible, the word of God can do something for us, not just intellectually, but spiritually. If we want to move this church, we got to not only pray, but we got to study. We got to study. We come to church and, and you know, in school, you, you take notes, don't you, John? Don't you take notes? <laughs> I know when I was in school, we took notes. But, but that was not for anything eternal. What about when we come to church? Should we not take some notes? Should we not at least write down those texts? Should we not go home and, and, and after a, a nice meal and maybe a short nap, begin to study the word of God? You know, I didn't leave out the nap. I, I know some of us need that nap. But I'm just saying, what do you think? Don't, don't you think we need to do a little bit more about studying the word of God? Don't we need to come together and study the word of God together? I know, I believe, brothers and sisters, that things will change in my life, in your life, in our church when we put God first and we begin to pray and we begin to study and we begin to rely on the Holy Spirit to help us. I believe things will change. I don't believe that it's about filling up the church. I believe it's about filling up the people in the church because God is not coming back for a building. He's coming back for people. People who are filled with the Spirit of God, who love to study the Word of God, who loves to be in the company of God. Christ had truths to present which the people were unprepared to accept or even to understand. 
For this reason also he taught them in parables. As the works of God are studied, the Holy Spirit flashes conviction into the mind. It is not the conviction that logical reasoning produces, but unless the mind has become too dark to know God, the eye too dim to see him, the ear too dull to hear his voice, a deeper meaning is grasped, and the sublime spiritual truths of the written word are impressed upon the heart. We need to study the word of God because we don't want to be gullible. We don't want to just believe anything. We want to believe what the Bible says. Amen? And there are some things that the Bible tells us that we need to be doing that we're not doing. We need to humble ourselves. We need to confess our sins. We need to repent. We need to, we, we, we need to do so many things. And God will give us the power to do it. And brothers and sisters... He's ready. Are you ready? Are you ready to say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. It may not be my favorite task. It may not even be my preferred task. But Lord, if this is what you want me to do, I'll do it. What do you say, church? Amen. Let's do it. And let's begin with prayer. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for allowing us to hear your voice through your word. So many things that we need to be doing. And we pray that you will help us rearrange our priorities. There are people here today who maybe are discouraged, who may be disillusioned. There may be people here today who, who just don't know which way to turn. But Lord, I, I just pray that you will help them turn to you. And if we can be a usable instrument use us to help somebody today be with our visitors be with our members be with those that we're going to be contacting today and tomorrow and all through the week we're going to be interacting with a lot of people and we pray that your presence will be felt in our lives as we interact with those people because we've been studying the word of God Thank you, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen.